It's an interesting morning here, as Mike has just alluded. There has been a significant amount of uh, disruption. And I think that speaks to the importance of what this morning is all about. As we move deeper and deeper into the circle of love, we have a spiritual enemy who wants to disrupt, to disorient, and discredit this incredibly beautiful, beautiful relationship. I'd like to read three statements, if I may, and then if you'll let me tell you, I hope you receive it as a funny little story. And then I'd like to compare, compare, and, compla compla compare and contrast complexity and simplicity with a very clear, specific application. So a couple statements. This comes from the, the theologians. How can God be three in one? This is not the most important question. In fact, framing the question this way obscures the primary purpose of the doctrine of the Trinity. Instead of revelation of God's heart and invitation to enter into the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when this question is at the center of our conversation, it becomes a mathematical problem to be solved, a doctrine for apologetics to explain and defend, but has very little relevance to the practical living for our daily lives. So, yet, how can God be three in one? This is an important question. It captures most people's re initial rea reaction to the Trinity. The concept that God is three in one, as Thomas Oden says, neither one nor three, without the three being in one, yet always one and always three is counterintuitive. It seems illogical, irrational. It is mystifying. And that's why I've titled today's sermon, Complex Simplicity. Now, may I hope this is funny for you? It was certainly funny for me. Jesus asked the disciples, gospel account, who do people say that I am? And his disciples answered, some say you were John the Baptist, returned from the dead. Others say Elijah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? So Peter stood up, stands up, <clears throat> and Peter answered, Thou art the Logos, existing in the Father as his rationality, and then by the act of his will, being generated in consideration of the various functions by which God is related to his creation, but only in the fact that Scripture speaks of a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, each member of the Trinity being co-equal with the other, and each acting inseparably with interpenetrating every other member with only an economic subordination within God, but causing no division, which would make the substance no longer simple. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, what? We can make this so complicated that we don't understand how simple it is. Let me just give you an example of the complication so I'm going to come up to the camera, and I'm, what I do as part of my studying every week is I take the text of Scripture, and I mark it all up. If you look at this, if the camera comes in close, you can see a blue color, a red color, and a green color. So the front page is John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Do you see all the blues? That's the Father. Do you see all the reds? That's the Spirit. Can you see the greens? That's the sun. 
Do you see the reds? The spirit. Blue, father, green, son. Do you see the blue, the red, the green? Do you see the blue, the red, the green? Blue, father, red, spirit, green, son. In three chapters, there are all these indicators, pictures, words of father, son, and spirit. And we look at that and we just think, what in the world? What are we to make of all this? John chapter 13 through 17 is filled with conversation of Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, quick time out. I've been asking you over these weeks to read John 13 through 17. Here's a very specific way that you can study this passage and reflect on it. Take three different color pens, crayons, markers, whatever. And for every I, me, my, that's Jesus, use one color and circle it. Take a different color. And in John 13 through 17, every place you see the word Father, circle Father. And then take a different color, the third, and anytime you see something with the Holy Spirit, circle it. And then what you're going to have is all this interactivity of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So do you remember what I said to you some weeks ago? Some weeks ago I said to you, the circle of love is this, is this relationship that is filled with energy and joy and love and submission. If you read these passages and you mark the different names, Father, Son, and Spirit, you're going to see all kinds of interactivity. You're going to see submission. You're going to see love. You're going to see obedience. You're going to see energy. You're going to see giving, mutual giving and taking. I want you to see it because that's who our God is. But as you sit in it, it gets so complicated. And that's why I've brought it back to a single phrase. It's the circle of love. Now, a big word, P-E-R-C-H-O-R-E-S-I-S, -E -E to describe this circle of love. And actually what it means literally is it's the dance of love. So imagine three people together just circling each other, dancing and celebrating and enjoying. But I thought, you know what, guys are not going to re resonate with dance so much. So I changed it just a little bit to the circle of love. Because I wanted you to have an understanding of there is this relationship which is built on people giving to the other. They are one and three and three and one. But it is beautiful. It is symbiotic. It is full of synergy. It is full of energy. It has purpose. It has meaning. It is belonging. So four weeks ago, what did I say? Using Ephesians chapter one, what did I say? In verses, chapter one, verses three through five, you, listen, listen now, listen. You have been chosen you have been adopted, and the text says, before the creation of the worlds, and then you have been redeemed into the circle of love. So the complexity is one and three and three and one, and it's beyond us. It's way beyond us. And yet, fundamentally, simply put, it is a welcoming, inclusive, beautiful, never-ending circle of love. You see the pants I'm wearing today? Every week I wear clothes of my youngest son, Kirk. And today I'm wearing Kirk's jeans. Why? I want to be reminded when I wear his clothes that he and I and his mother and his brothers and his sisters-in-law and his nephews and nieces are still included in a circle of love. 
He may not be here, but I wear his clothes to remember that he is part of our circle of love. So how we began this whole conversation is we have a God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one and three, three and one, who chooses, who adopts, who redeems. And what did I say four weeks ago? Because of that, we can experience an intimacy that is unique and is never-ending. We have an identity that is beautiful and honoring and never-ending. You're a child, a son or daughter of this living God. We have belonging. We're part of a family, a circle of love, and we have a purpose, which is to live in such a way that others see in us and experience from us what we have experienced and are experiencing a circle of love. But having said all that, I want to get more specific and focused because this is obviously quite difficult. Can I have slide number five, please, Jim? So I want to, I want to put these words in front of you. And I want to go back to the passage because I want to go back and forth with some of the simplicity and complexity. So what I'd like to have you notice is the words mystery, paradox, and trust. As we try to understand, get our heads and hearts around the circle of love, that's the simplicity, which is one and three, three and one, there's a complexity, we have to engage the mystery. We have to live with paradox. And we have to fundamentally choose to trust. How do we do that? We do it by living a humble and vulnerable life. Now, I want to just show you, just again, get your Bibles, please. John chapter 14. So let me just, just point you out a few verses that talk about this simplicity and complexity in just a few verses. And I want you to see the interactivity of Father, Son, and Spirit. And I want to keep coming back to the phrase, the circle of love. So John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses beginning at 14, 16. I'm just going to pick a few verses and we're going to go around looking at the complexity and then pointing to the simplicity. So chapter 14, verse 16. Now you're going to see Father, Son, and Spirit in this verse. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Right there, Father, Son, and Spirit. He, then he says, the world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now here's his complexity. You have Father, Son, and Spirit interacting with each other somehow. There is this movement, this synergy, this sharing back and forth. And then it says that somehow this circle of love is going to live in us. Isn't it interesting? Look at the last phrase. He lives with you and will be in you. Look at verse 20. On that day you realize that I am my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Here's the Father. Here's the Son, and here's us. And what does Jesus say? We're in him. He's in the Father. We're all in the circle of love. Amazing complexity. Beautiful simplicity. How about verse 23? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. Now look at the next phrase. And we will come to them 
and we will make our home with them. Who's the we? Now go on, verse 24. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Now look at Jesus' next. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So what is he saying? My Father will love, and we will love, and the words will be given. Verse 31, at the end. Satan has no hold over me, but he's coming. So look at the next phrase. Here's purpose clause. So that the world may learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Do you see the love in the circle of love? Father says to son, son says to father, father, son, say the spirit, together, involved with us. All this is happening at one time. The complexity of this beautiful, beautiful relationship. Go now with me to chapter 15. Look at, he invites now the Holy Spirit to get involved. Look at this, 15, 15, 26. When the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send you from the father. Now look at that. The Holy Spirit is coming from the father, sent by Jesus, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, and what will the Spirit do? He will testify about Jesus. Go over farther in chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you very truly, it is your good that I'm going away, that unless, the advocate, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Oh, did we just read that the Father is going to send the Spirit? And now we read, verse 7, Jesus is sending the Spirit to whom? To us. Father, Son, and Spirit, complexity, involved with each other, back and forth, synergy, love, submission, and we are invited into this circle of love. Chapter 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now look at this. He will not speak on his own. He will only he speak what he hears. What he hears from whom? from the Father and from the Son. And he will tell you what is to come. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and make it known to you. Now how in the world do we get around that kind of complexity? How do we understand it? And so theologians have spent centuries trying to, to nuance this and understand it. And it's important that we understand the complexity, but we've got to move to the simplicity. So how do we do it? Slide number five, please, Jim. How do we do it? Very simply, we have to engage the mystery. And I want to explain this word mystery to you because it's really interesting. When we think the word mystery, and I'm giving the definition that's, that's in Wikipedia, something obscure, dark, secret, or puzzling. It is something mysterious, it's inexplicable, it's incomprehensible. So when we hear the phrase, engage the mystery, what might register is, well, it's incomprehensible. It's just too complicated. It just, it just doesn't make sense. We don't get it. But the Greek word for mystery is called mysterion, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. And this is the definition of mystery in the Greek New Testaments. Instead of an unbelievably un difficult to understand secret, Something that can't be unlocked. The New Testament word for mystery is, it's an open secret. One that is to be revealed. Now, do you understand why I've been asking you over these past weeks to read John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17? If the mystery is something to be revealed, we need to look at the words of Scripture 
And just look at how Father, Son, and Spirit have this dance, this circle of love. And as you read that, mark red, Spirit, blue, Father, green, Son. Then look, and then mark where we are in the story. And watch the circle of love, which is an invitation to us. Why? Because we have been chosen, we've been adopted, we have been redeemed. And before the creation of the world, one and three, three and one, invite us in. Crazy, crazy story. And now we engage the mystery. It's something to be revealed. Now let, me, let, me, let me mess with you here now. This, so I told you, I'm wearing Kirk's pants. Circle of love. So some, let me ask this question. Where, where is our son? Well, I'm going to suggest that he is still in the circle of love. Those you have lost who you love are not just floating out someplace. Think about this. The Father, Son, and Spirit have always existed. There has always been the circle of love. Stay with me. There will always be the circle of love. And the fundamental human question is, will we be recipients, partakers, participants in that circle of love? It's a mystery. It's something to be explored. Now watch, watch this. So I can imagine, and I think I can argue this pretty well, if mystery, mysterion, Greek word, is something to be explored, watch me now, when you die, when Jesus returns, new heaven and new earth, I think some of us think, well, it's a done deal, we're all set, whatever we're going to be, we're going to be. And I would respectfully disagree with that. We are still created beings. Somehow we will experience the mystery of the Trinity and whatever this new heaven and new earth is forever. It's not a mystery. Oh, how in the world do we figure it out? It's just so hard. Flip it. Wow. In this circle of love, we're going to keep learning and engaging in something that's beyond our comprehension. That is unspeakably, unmistakably, unbreakably beautiful. So we have to engage the mystery. How? I would suggest by word and spirit. We've been talking about this for years. Again, it's the word, John 13 through 17. It's the spirit. Holy Spirit, live in me. Fill me again. Help me bear fruit. The fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. Why? So that I live out of this circle of love. And remember what I told you four weeks ago and every week since? What I've said is what we see in the Trinity is what others should see in us. So they should see this beautiful, beautiful life of Father, Son, and Spirit lived with us. Which means what? We have to live with paradox. How in the world do we understand paradox? Well, let me just throw some at you. Let me throw some paradoxes. How do you understand this? How can there be one and three and three and one? How about this? How do we understand God's sovereignty and free will? How do we put together grace and truth? How do we live with sin 
and salvation. Saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone boast. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, and yet I can still sin. We live with paradox. And so what's the requirement? We have to choose to trust. I don't want in any way uh, come across like I understand what's happening with this season of COVID. Uh, it's, it's beyond me. I'm, I'm too small and not wise enough. But I do have one wondering. I'm wondering if this season is really an invitation coming from the circle of love to trust, which requires what? It requires enormous humility. Think how many of us four months ago had all kinds of plans, ideas, dreams. How many of our schools, our workplaces, this church, churches, had all kinds of things we were heading toward, we were going to do, we were going to experience, and now everything has been turned upside down, and we don't even know what to do with it. What is required to trust? I think it is a tremendous amount of humility. People send me all kinds of things uh, from the social media about what's happening, and there's conspiracy theories, and there are all kinds of things, both positive and negative, and I don't know how to sort it all out. So I take this posture. I'm actually a little boy who has experienced some highs and lows for 65 years. And if I want to do life well, it might be really good to choose humility. I called my mother last night for Mother's Day to wish her a happy Mother's Day because we're going to be um, involved with some grandchildren today. I called my mom and wished her a happy Mother's Day. And at the end, my mom began to cry. And she struggled to explain the words to one of her very best friends, grandson, committed suicide. And a sibling a sister, an aunt of the young man who committed suicide called my mom and asked my mom to contact her friend whose grandson just committed suicide. And why was the request made? Because the aunt said, surely you've lost a grandson. And now so has your friend Kitty in a place of great humility, two grandmothers are going to talk and they're going to have to choose to trust. They're going to have to live with paradox. They're going to have to engage some mystery. Well, let me stop for a minute. Chrissy, do you have any words for us? Any people commenting? Yeah, we do have a few. Um, based on the first question, which is what do you think about your relationship with the triune God, or as you think about your relationship with the triune God, do you gravitate towards a specific person? And this person wrote that during childhood and adolescence, I could only envision God as creator and father. About 25 years ago, I concentrated on Jesus as the one who shared our humanity. And now later in life, I've gravitated towards the spirit as the guard and guide who dwells in me over the length of my life. And I have grown close to all three persons of the Trinity. Hmm, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Yeah, and another one um, 
mentioned just how they're able to see um, the Trinity on says on the farm. God has has thrown all three forms, and so he talks about um, the earth, water, and sun, and how all are needed to bear fruit. You they need each other to produce a crop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as embracing the mystery, we have one that says, "I'm awed by the mystery." He chooses to concentrate or is to communicate with me through smell, sounds, and nature. He pulls me into his kingdom and then talks about his love for us. Can, can I start, respond to that one? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, read, read the first sentence again, Chrissy. Would you read that? Um, I'm awed by the mystery. He chooses to communicate with me through smell, sounds, and nature. He yep. pulls me into his kingdom. So one of the, one of the things I think this person uh, is talking to Chrissy and to us is there has to be this willingness to pay attention. And I... And, uh, Lane has often said to me, I have lived at such a speed, such a rapid speed of life that I miss so much. And I wonder if part of this living in the circle of love requires a humility and a vulnerability that basically causes us to stop and to look, to wonder, to enter in. And what if in such unique ways the Lord speaks. One of my, my favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. And when I did some doctoral work about 40 years ago, Eugene said something in the study of the Psalms I've never forgotten. He said, if you want to really grow deep in your relationship with the triune God, find something living like a tree and just spend hours thinking about our God in the image of a life-giving something like a tree. And we all said, Eugene, that's stupid. He said to us, and this is 40 years ago, when you get older, when you get wiser, you might understand the beauty of our triune God can be seen and experienced as we pay attention. Chrissy, what else do you have? Yeah, I wanted to go along with the last question about um, in this season, what ways do you see your trust in the Lord deepening? And it says, I feel like this season has been a reminder to just daily trust. We don't need to know about tomorrow, what tomorrow will bring, but God promises to give us new mercies each morning. Mm, it's beautiful, beautiful. One more? Yeah, this last one goes back to the first question about um, do you gravitate towards a certain person? It says, I have been uncertain about which member of the Trinity to address in prayer, but if they are so perfectly united, it's not something that I need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Chrissy, do you have that third question? Can you put that up at all? Is that possible? The, uh, uh, do you, how yeah. do you see your Lord deepening? Do you have that one? They, probably, um, they can look at it. I'm I sorry. I have that one. Yeah. Okay. So the, in the season, what, can we put that question up? In the season, what ways do you see your trust in the Lord deepening? Are there ways where you are struggling to trust God? If so, what are they? Let me, let me just address that for a minute now. In this complex simplicity, complex simplicity, if we need humility and vulnerability, could it be that seasons of difficulty, challenge, and struggle like we're in right now, if we will choose, if we will choose humility, if we choose to say, Lord, I'm just a little one. I need you. Father, Son, I need you. What might it be if this season is actually an opportunity to exercise the muscle of trust? Last week, Wednesday night, for uh, Wednesday night invitations, Dr. Stephen and Lacey Henderson shared their story with their beautiful little daughter, Estella. This young woman 
18 months old, there are one in a million children who have what she has. This unique, horrible, horrible, horrible disease. And as I listen to them share, Stephen speaking for both he and Lacey, I was just struck by the incredible challenge to choose to live in the circle of love. To be broken to such a place that we have to embrace humility and vulnerability so that we're willing to exercise trust. And I think there's something powerful about that. So the complexity is one in three, three in one. The simplicity is, it's a circle of love. Just one, line, one final comment to you. And that would just keep reading John 13 through 17. Can I invite you to get three different colored markers and just circle those Father, Son, and Spirit and just think about how they interact. And remember, it's a circle of love and joy and energy. Let me conclude in this way. Mike read the Nicene Creed to us. If you really want to go deep on the Trinity, I invite you to find, Google the Athanasian Creed. A-T-H-A-S-A-N-I-N, Athanasian's Creed. It is a complex statement on the triune God that when you're done, you'll have a headache. I was going to read the Athanasian Creed today and compare it with this. So just take my word for it. The Athanasian Creed, the Nicene Creed are complex and important. Here's the simplicity. St. Paul, thinking about this triune God, wrote these words. The circle of love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Father, Son, and Spirit. They do not dishonor others. They are not self-seeking. They are not easily angered. They keep no record of wrongs. The circle of love. When people see us, we want them to see the circle of love. The circle of love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. The circle of love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's why St. Paul could say, nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. And how does the passage end? The circle of love never fails. I invite you, in humility and vulnerability, to enter the mystery, to live in paradox, and choose to trust. Would you pray with me, please? We thank you, Lord, for this amazing, incredible, incomprehensible, and yet so simple circle of love. We pray that increasingly our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our bodies, and we as a community of faith together, might be known as a people who represent 
who live from and express freely from the circle of love. And so we continue with the words you gave us so long ago. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. As a circle of love envelops this world, now and forever. Amen.